Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. Now, the best books are made up of stories. And let's face it, the best stories are about bouncing back from failure. I'm Anna David, obsessed with books, a New York Times bestselling author and the CEO of Legacy Launchpad Publishing. And I only achieved those things because I picked myself up again after failing and found my way to success. And that makes me uniquely qualified to get the best stories about failure and success out of other people. Failure is always a learning experience. So after six months, I told him that I Googled sociopath and he had all of the symptoms and I found myself out of job. At that time, it was supposed to be a side hustle. Well, the side hustle started to make far more money than the real hustle. So I, after six months, I, I quit my job. Welcome to Fail Your Way to Success. Welcome to Fail Your Way to Success, a podcast that you could say is obsessed with the topic of failure and obsessed with the topic of how really impressive, amazing people have failed a lot on their way to success. Now, this is a solo episode, and it is about somebody um, who, I, I just side note, I find it sometimes hard to find people to look up to um, in history, in current culture, um, aside from Taylor Swift, who I'm going to be doing an amazing solo episode about. Uh, when I was brainstorming about 10 years ago, who do I really look up to? This was one of the only people that I do. And um, it's Ariana Huffington. I actually did have the pleasure of meeting her ever so briefly, twice with my friend Mickey, who is friends with her. She has no idea, but it was in passing and she was lovely. So let's talk about who she is. She was born in 1950 in Greece. She moved with her family. She went to University of Cambridge, where she received an economics degree. She's, um, you know, pretty successful right out of the gate. Side note, I did go to Cambridge for a year. Not really. I pretended. I went, we had Cambridge tutor, doesn't matter. She was far, a far better student. Uh, she, in fact, became the first foreigner and only the third female to serve as president of the Cambridge Union. Now, already, she's having crazy success. She's only 22 years old, but here's what's happening. Everyone's telling her she doesn't stand a chance. She could barely speak English. Uh, but she got the last laugh, even though they laughed at her for her accent, and um, she was elected as the first foreign female president. So she's killing it, right? She publishes her first book, 23 years old. She's got this Times columnist, fancy older boyfriend, Bernard Levin. He's helping her. Then turns out, and by the way, this is all hearsay. I didn't get this straight from her, but I believe it's true because it's been, I found this all in many, many places. Um, he doesn't want to marry her. So she's like, all right. Uh, she, she has a second book. She'd already published her first book with his help. Uh, so she's got the second book. It's called After Reason. And it's 1975 and she is trying to sell it. And she is rejected 37 times before finding a publisher. She actually had to get a loan to survive. And this I know is true because she recently posted about it on LinkedIn. This is what she said. By rejection 25, you would have thought I might've said, Hey, you know, there's something wrong here. Maybe I should be looking at a different career. 
Instead, I remember running out of money and walking to press down St. James Street in London and seeing a Barclays Bank. I walked in, and armed with nothing but a lot of chutzpah, I asked to speak to the manager and asked him for a loan. Even though I didn't have any assets, this banker, whose name was Ian Bell, shout out to Ian, gave me a loan. Changed my life because it meant I could keep things together for another, yes, 13 rejections. And then I got an acceptance. It makes the point that failure isn't the opposite of success, but as my mother often said, a stepping stone to success. And by the way, that's a great tagline. Um, so she has kept up with the, she's kept in touch with Ian Bell. God bless him. And uh, she sends him a holiday card every year. Happy holidays, Ian. So anyway, that all happens. She moves to the U.S. She meets and marries an oil millionaire and future congressman named Michael Huffington in 1986. They're divorced 11 years later. He comes out as bisexual. She starts working as a Republican journalist and political pundit. He's a big deal uh, Republican. She's a writer for Bill Maher's show. But then she realizes She's at odds with Republican politics, and she's more aligned with the views of the Democrats. So she becomes an activist for progressive policy. So I think that is also very interesting, uh, that that uh, when you are failing your way to success, you can change your mind in a pretty radical way and go from spokesperson for one thing to spokesperson for another Um with the more information that you have. So she's getting all political, right? She runs for governor in 2003 during the recall election of Gray Davis. But she drops out before the election and she received less than 1% of the votes. Kind of humiliating, right? Although I've never run. Have you ever run? Who are we to feel humiliated for? She did, she did that. Here's the thing. She believes, she said, that the time she spent running for governor was not a failure because the experience gave her the information to understand how she could, quote, fix internet news. Shortly after that, within two years, she launches the Huffington Post online. And uh, let's see. Lots of controversial stuff happened. She stayed on as uh, editor-in-chief and president um, and left in 2016. But... Let's talk about the Huffington Post because I was a journalist who was making a pretty good living and then the Huffington Post came along and decimated that living. It And it decimated it because it uh, got a lot of people writing for free for the exposure. That had not happened until that point. Those of us who were getting paid $2 or a dollar a word and suddenly were like, everybody's writing for free, uh, websites realized they not only didn't need to pay us and they didn't really have the money because advertising was changing and dynamic ads were replacing static ads and so there was really no budget. They realized they could just get people to write for free. Um, and it was it was really terrible, frankly. I nevertheless continue my admiration for Ariana Huffington because I believe that would have changed anything. The other thing the Huffington Post did that had not really been done before is it started aggregating news, kind of like the Drudge Report. It What that means is it was basically taking uh, reported news that was from other sites and rewriting it and linking out and calling that a story. It's now so common we don't even we don't even notice when it happens, but they were really the place that originated that and made it popular. So she started this thing called HuffPost Live, which is something I also know about because I was doing on-air TV sort of pundit, pundit, punditry at that time. Can't even say the word, which is 
probably why I'm not a pundit anymore. Um, and I was called in. I had a TV agent, all that stuff. And I was called in to audition for HuffPost Live, and it was a shit show. Um, I was not cast or, you know, it. people, they had like, they were trying to run newscasts on, on the website, and it was a total disaster. They spent $12 million, and it couldn't generate any interest and was really considered a miserable failure. Um. So she, there were, there were lots of things that didn't work at Huffington Post. So, um, apparently, you know, when she has been confronted with this, you know, Hey, uh, the Huffington Post ruined the lives of journalists. She said, I'm surprised because that's such a discredited argument. I'm a big believer in aggregation, but we always link back to the creators. So he or she wouldn't, would have a lot more traffic. But beyond that, the Huffington Post has 800 jobs for journalists, editors, and engineers, um, and staff pays comparable to newspaper rates. Um, so, look, um, I, I, I really look up to her. I also do believe uh, what I experienced, which is that it did really change the game for journalists. However, I do think that would have happened anyway. So, anyway, success, success, success mixed with failures. She's killing it. She's working so hard. In 2007, she collapses and she wakes up in a pool of blood and is suffering from exhaustion after working 18 hours a day. Has this big epiphany. She's not been taking care of herself. A failure. Um, She ends up, uh, she does a TED Talk. It gets millions of views. It's about her exhaustion diagnosis. And then she starts Thrive Global in 2016, um, she she sells. Uh, okay, so when she first sold Huffington Post to AOL, that was in 2011. Uh, she got 100 million for the sale. Uh, then and then 2016, she's out of there. She got 100 million bucks, um, and she has really become an advocate for getting enough sleep. Amen. She, uh, you know. <laughs> makes these things she sells these things where like it's a little bed for your cell phone so you don't bring your cell phone you put your own cell phone to bed whatever i my cell phone doesn't need a bed but i i I think i get it she's doubling down on that um and she's had a lot of quotes about success she tweeted on may 19th of 2019 we need to accept that we won't always make the right decisions that will screw up royally sometimes and like she wrote on LinkedIn, understanding that failure is not the opposite of success, it's part of success. She's famous for saying, we think mistakenly that success is the result of the amount of time we put in at work. Instead, it's the quality of the time we put in. Um, she says that her mother was, uh, oh, her mother's the one who said failure is not the opposite of success, it's a stepping stone to success. And then she wrote, for many years... I subscribe to a very flawed definition of success, buying into our collective delusion that burnout is the necessary price we must pay for success. Then in 2007, I had a painful wake-up call. That's when she fainted, woke up in a pool of her own blood. And then she says, from that point on, I knew I had to make sleep a priority. So today, Ariana Huffington considers getting a good night's sleep a great success. I consider it that as the mother of a five-month-old, I too consider that a great success. Um, and and I'm sure, despite the fact um, 
that, you know, she was born in 1950. She's not a super young woman. That is not the last we will hear of Ariana Huffington's great success. So if we can take anything from this, I think it's that there are highs and lows. And uh, sometimes the the lows are personal. Sometimes they're professional. Sometimes making all the money just means uh, it's going to lead to burnout. Sometimes it takes 37 rejections until you get to success. And uh, yeah, keep going. You heard it from Ariana Huffington, and you heard it from me. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Failure Way to Success. Now, if there's anything I love more than a failure to success story, it's a review. So I hope you'll think about leaving one. For more information about the show, go to failyourway.com. And for more information about publishing a book about how you failed your way to success, or just to find out more about what I do, go to legacylaunchpadpub.com.